Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hi, this is Kiko Loredo, and you're listening to Talking Metal. This is Ken Pierce from piercingmetal.com, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal Podcast, coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly, and now your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, John Astronomy here. Welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. I'm hanging out here at Duke's in Manhattan with Mark, and we've got a cast of people here. Mark, why don't you introduce everybody? We got Ken from piercingmetal.com, old friend of Talking Metals, old friend of John and myself. Ken, how are you? I'm doing great, uh, Mark. It's so awesome to be with you guys again after so long. We're going to talk about Ken and his history with us and just his history with the New York hard rock and heavy metal scene. We have Chris Kiska, bodyguard to the stars, eating some mac and cheese. How are you, Chris? Good. You, just, you were out with uh, Kurt Hammett, watching over him? Yeah, and Slash. And Slash, and of course it does work with uh, Ace, too. And John Simpson from Northern Lights Post. How you guys doing? Good, cool. We have Kiko Larero from Angra coming up. We have an interview with him that I conducted just uh, two days ago here, I think, on 19th Street. I'm trying to think where it was. We are currently on 19th Street, 99 East 19th at Duke's. And I believe the interview I did with him was uh, at, on 19th Street with the, the guy Rob, the publicist guy who you know, who also handles Def Leppard. Yeah, Rob, uh, shout out to Rob D., uh, a good friend of ours. And, uh, yeah, Mark, uh, really excited to hear the interview. And uh, through Rob, we have some other cool stuff coming up, which we'll talk about a little later in the podcast. We will. And it was uh, yet another interview where I went to, and I walk into the interview, and uh, somebody goes, where's John? Oh, (laughs) And it was Rob. (laughs) Kiko didn't ask for you, but, but Rob was asking about you. Ah, heck, you know what, Mark, I promise, and I promise not only to Mark, but to the Talking Metal listeners, that um, I'm getting my schedule in line, and uh, there'll be a lot more interviews and John Astronomy stuff 
on Toggy Metal. And thank you guys for standing by me. Cool. Let's get into the interview with Kiko right now. And we're going to follow it up with one of his new songs off his solo record, Sound of Innocence. This is Mark Striegel, and I'm here with Kiko Loriero. And he has a new solo album that's coming out, which we're going to talk to him all about. But first, welcome to New York, Kiko. Thanks. Do you get to New York City very often? Not really. You know, I think it's like a third or fourth time. Yeah. yeah. So it's beautiful to be here. Great. And how long are you in town for? I know you were here yesterday. I heard you on Eddie Trunk, right? Yeah. Um, I did the, the Fingers radio show, uh, Fingers Metal Shop uh, on Sunday, and then Eddie Trunk yesterday, and I'm going to stay more two, day, two days more. And then I'm, I'm going to Detroit, and then I'm going to, to Vegas for the fantasy camp. Oh, cool! So you are you you're an instructor with the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp? Yeah, yeah, Excellent. with the Yes, Yes Fantasy Camp. Excellent. So who from Yes is a part of that? I think the whole band's gonna. The whole be, band. Yeah, wow, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Cool. Well, Jordan Anderson is not right, so it's the it's not is the the new singer. I don't remember the name. Sorry. Right. But like uh, besides him, it's like all the original guys, you know. Yeah. Steve, Steve Howe. Chris and, Squire. Uh, Chris Squire. Alan wow. White. Excellent. Was, well, that'll be fun. I, I'm I'm a big fan of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be there, like you know, you know, trying to learn something from them too. Yeah, excellent, cool. Well, let's talk about the the new solo record, Sound of Innocence. You've done solo records before. Uh, why did 2013 feel like a good time for uh, yet another solo record? You know what? Like, well, we as um, I feel like I'm a musician, you know, and uh, I, we have always this cre- creative moment. Uh, in my, you know, you, you do tours, you travel, you play, but then you come home and start playing, having new ideas and composing new stuff. You just need to put out. Mm-hmm. That's my feeling, right. you know. And I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of ideas and, and songs. And then if I don't record an album, if I don't put this out somehow, I I don't feel I have, you know, not not uh, new songs. They don't come anymore. I have mm-hmm. to put out to, you know, have space to. To have this feeling that okay, you know, I did these songs are complete and done. Let's forget about this one, this this ones, and let's let get the uh, empty mind, you know, to to receive more new ideas, more songs. So if I don't release anything, I, I feel I feel weird. Right. So I, I need to you know every two years you know to release the songs that I've been composing. Very good. I listened to the record. It sounds great. And we're actually going to play the song Conflicted for the Talking Metal listeners in a minute here. But I listen to you play and you're, you're obviously such a great player. And, and I'm a guitar player and I've always, uh, you know, struggled to play as fast and as, as technically well as somebody like you. And I just wanted to ask you, I mean, how do you get to that stage? Is it just hours and hours and hours of practice that, that enable you to have such good skill and uh, technique on the guitar? Is it something, because a lot of people are like, oh, I can never play like that. And then it's like, well, how, how long do you practice? Oh, I practice 20 minutes a day. Well, and, and it's like, well, that's why you're never going to get to the same stage as a guy like, like Kiko. It, so I guess my basic question is, do you practice like six hours a day? I mean, how do you get to this stage? Well, for the technical, uh, to get a good technical level, yeah, you have to practice uh, many hours a day, in a and have to be in a con, uh, in a con, con, constant basis, right? right? Every day, kind mm-hmm. of all the time. But 
but this cannot be a burden. You have to, you have to, well, you have to love what you do. You know? sure. So everything starts, it starts when you, you, you're passionate about another musician, another guitar player. I, I was like about Jimmy Page or Van Halen, or Steve I, I don't know, Jeff Beck. And I, I want to play like them, mm -hmm. right? So we have this energy, right? And then, uh, and then from that, you start trying to organize yourself to have a, some kind of discipline or some kind of methods or, you know, buying books or having, having like a, a lessons or, you know, teach a private teacher. Right. Or, you know, nowadays with YouTube, you kind of organize yourself. And then after that, this becoming, it becomes a habit, that you do every day, and then it, when you don't do it, you feel bad about it. Yeah, you know, it, it's something you like feel guilty, almost you feel like you guilty should. Yeah, or something, but not in in a good way. It's like something is missing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, it, I don't take a shower or something. Right, like. right, right, right. So I have to do every day. So it, ah, today I didn't play guitar. You know, you come home, I have to do a lot of stuff, and then you didn't play guitar that day. So you stay late late at night playing a little bit at least just to have. Okay, I did. Uh, I did, you know, my guitar playing it for that day. You have to have this feeling, and then you feel good about about playing guitar. So the mm -hmm. playing guitar moment is the best time of your day. Right. Okay. You have to make it happen like that. If you don't make it happen, it's gonna be boring to practice guitar many hours. Yeah. You know. So that's that's the key point for to turning you as a as a, a great a musician. If even if you're not like technically skilled. But you, you need to know harmonies, you need to know mm. chords, you need to know songs, you have to, or whatever, you know, compose. If you compose and do stuff in a computer, it takes hours and hours, you know, to program drums or keyboards. Mm -hmm. So you need this time. You, have, right. you need to have fun doing that, you know? Yeah, totally. Makes, makes perfect sense. I know you play Ibanez, but can you talk uh, specifically about what model guitar you play? And also, I'd like to talk about uh, your amps. So the yeah, um, I just signed a deal with the Ibanez. Uh, I, was, I was always a huge fan of Ibanez guitars, and then uh, I no, I'm now with a prototype. They're gonna release uh, at the end of the year in a NAM show in the 2014, like a signature model for me. And then uh, it's basically kind of a they have the S model. Mm -hmm. It's like the thin body, uh, but the, my body is like it's kind of a RGA they call. The art, artistic uh, shape, and then with alder and you know rosewood, and uh, some DiMaggio pickups. Sounds that, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very nice. And so you were very involved in designing this guitar. I was very yeah involved in like choosing the woods, mm -hmm. and uh, well, the the shape of the the body is like one shape they have. They normally they have basically I mean it's the RG models and the S models, mm -hmm. so we kind of twist a little bit in a way that I like. And then uh, I choose the woods and uh, the inlays and the colors nice. and all this. Yeah, it's really nice. And it's going to be released uh, in the U.S. in 2014 at the name show, yeah. Very good. And I wanted to ask you about the current status of Angra. Uh, hiatus right now? Are you taking some time away from them? Mm. Uh, will Angra return at some point in the future? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, can't, we stopped... Uh, we, we never officially, you know, finished the band. Uh, but like last year, we didn't do anything. And then this year, uh, we were invited for the 70,000 uh, Tons of Metal. Mm -hmm. And then we played with a guest singer, with a Fabio Leone from a band from uh, 
from Italy from Rhapsody, and it was it, it was great. Great, everybody in the, the band felt very optimistic, and you know, it was a very good vibe there. Then we did a festival in Brazil, and now we're doing. And then a lot of promoters started asking, Why, you know, let's do this show, more shows, more, let's do a tour. So, we're doing this tour now in August. Okay, so we're doing, uh, we have a huge fan base in South America, so mm-hmm. we're doing this tour first to kind of come back and you know. Uh, in South America, so we have like 13 shows, Chile, Argentina, uh, Brazil, we're going to Mexico as well, and then we're going to do this tour, probably going to shoot some videos from um, probably in Sao Paulo, in Brazil, the Brazilian show, and then from that, let's see what what happens, and then probably compose something for next year, for a new album, something like this. Very good. And... Has it been frustrating to you uh, as someone from South America with a, a big fan base down there that in some ways you guys have never broken through in the States to the mainstream? I mean, people know who you are, but the, maybe the average kid at your shopping mall in New Jersey doesn't know about yeah, Umbra. Yeah, yeah. Is that frustrating to you? And, and is, is do you envision you breaking through in the future in America? I, no, I don't. I don't feel frustrated. I tell you what, because we never really worked uh, the U.S. market. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I would feel frustrated if we would be here and trying to do interviews and playing, and, and then never, and nothing happened. But we, the band started. We like suddenly we did a we did a demo tape. We got a deal with Japanese uh, record label back in the early 90s. Right. And then we were like gold disc in Japan before anything. Like mm. we, we recorded an album with our, uh, we, with our songs. And then suddenly we were like gold disc there. But our lives were in Brazil. It didn't change. Yeah. Right. And then even in South America and in Europe was very, and US was difficult to get a deal. Even being like a gold disc in Japan. I'm talking about 93, mm-hmm. right? Early 90s. Uh, the scene was totally different. It was like Black Album from Metallica, Pantera, mm-hmm. Nirvana. That was what was happening. Maybe Drink Theater was the only one that was kind of doing some prog metal. Right. But the scene was totally different. So, But in Japan, it was still Iron Maiden, kind of, yeah. you know, they were more, a bit more 80s. Uh, uh, in their taste, sure. Yeah. yeah. So... So we did a gold disc there, but it was hard to get things uh, in other uh, territories. And then finally we got deal in Europe, so we started going to Europe a lot. So the U.S. never really, you know, happened because of that. So we, we, we were working a lot in, in Europe and South America. The band was always uh, were being invited for, to festivals, to shows, promoters, and, and then the U.S. was like, okay, let's try to do U.S., but always after, after, after. And then uh, maybe because we never moved to U.S., mm-hmm. maybe moving if we had moved to U.S. like Sepultura did, mm-hmm. you know, Sepultura did, and then that would be easier because then you have the management to have everything coming from U.S. Right. Then we never did that. This, mm-hmm. this is the big, the big move of like changing yeah. the country, the whole LA band, or something. you yeah, know. Yeah. Then uh, so I don't feel frustrated. Yeah. Good. Okay, well, we're going to get into now uh, the conflicted single off of your new solo record, which is Sounds of Innocence. Where is the best place for the Talking Metal listeners to go watch the music video for Conflicted? Is there a website it's posted on? Yeah, 
you have, yeah, but Kiko Loureiro, L-O-U-R-E-I-R-O dot uh, net, uh, my website, and uh, YouTube channel can put conflicted Kiko, I probably is gonna, you know, Pop easily, that yeah, probably that way. We will link that through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com, and a big thanks to Kiko for joining us, and the best of luck to you. The new album sounds great, and we Thank encourage you. all the Talking Metal listeners to go download the entire album. We'll have links in today's show notes that'll help you do that, guys. So uh, use those iTunes links and enjoy the rest of your stay in New York. Pleasure. just heard was conflicted off of kiko's new record sound of innocence it's currently on itunes we will have links up in today's show notes of course you use those links they open up your itunes 
and take you right to the song. And of course, we get a little kickback on your purchase of that song and anything else you purchase in the iTunes store after using our link. So if you want to buy a movie and you don't want to buy Kiko's song, you can still use that link to open up your iTunes. And we are here at Duke's. The lovely ladies of Duke's are also here. We hope to maybe get a picture of the lovely ladies and ourselves and put that on TalkingMetal.com and also PiercingMetal.com. Absolutely. Mr. Ken Pierce seems to have a rapport with the ladies. One of them just came by and tapped him on the back. Very hot. Very hot. Nice. Ken, we know you have a rapport, as John said, with Dukes, but let's talk about you and your rapport with the hard rock heavy metal scene. I go to shows in New Jersey and New York, and every show I go to in New York City, which is probably not much compared to how many shows you go to, but I... I, I swear, I think it's just about every show I go to. I either see you off in the distance or I go hang out with you. Um, I talk to you. You are at just about every show. And, and it is mind-boggling to me how you maintain the stamina to hit so many shows. I mean, there's some weeks where you are at probably, I would, I would guess, four or five shows in one week, right? Uh, that has happened, yes, yes. There's been, there were times when I, I did five shows in a row, and I forgot the days of the week. Even. So it was, that was pretty interesting. But I should admit, I've actually been tracking both you and John around the metal scene. That's really why you see me at all the times. So <laughs> Stalking, huh? No, but in all seriousness, you hit these shows because you are obviously a, a, a big fan of hard rock and heavy metal. And let's talk about your earliest hard rock and heavy metal memories. When do you remember hearing maybe that one song, that one band that turned you on to the the loud sounds of hard rock or heavy metal music? What are your earliest hard rock memories? My earliest hard rock memories are from Kiss, uh, which, you know, John, you, you probably agree, when the first time you heard Kiss, it just blew you away. And that was that was my thing. And I, I, I heard it. I was in my dad's car or mom's car or something like that, and Rock and Roll Night had come on, and I just, I just loved what it was about. And then I saw what these guys were doing, and, you know, obviously when I'm a child, there was no piercing metal, but... Uh, you know, it, it was just, it just really got my love of hard rock and heavy music going on, and I eventually became a drummer and did some stuff around the New York scene, and, and, and here I am now, writer, photographer, and running my piercing metal brand, which is, which is exciting, too, and meeting great folks like you guys uh, across the scene. And, and at a lot of these shows we see you at, you do have the photo pass, and, and you're right up front. Where do people go to see all these great photos? Like, for example, I saw you at Udo, I saw you at Engve, and you were up there. These are rather recent shows that I was at in New York City. And you, of course, were right up there in the, the pit taking pictures. Where do you post the pictures, and how do we find them? Well, the, the main website is piercingmetal.com. So everything eventually gets to piercingmetal.com. But, of course, to do quality work, sometimes it takes a little longer than I would even like to do uh, the processing and getting everything the right way. But um, I'm a stickler for perfection, so sometimes stuff goes up a little later than I would like it to be. But everything does end up on piercingmetal.com as the, as the core website where we have the gallery and we have our event calendar, which we love to talk about the scene, which which we could talk about a bit. Uh, and then, so if I wanted to know what shows were coming up, I could go to piercingmetal.com to, to see upcoming shows? Oh, yes. There's a calendar right on my main page, and I, I 
basically painstakingly look through like nine to ten different resources online and put everything in one place for a metalhead. And it's it's there. It's every venue that that is of note that you should be at as a metal fan. And and it's it's just it's there for your use, you know. And and if you don't use it. It's not about bringing in site traffic. It's just about use this resource and, and make the best of it as you can, you know? So. Now, Ken, I have a question for you. Um, as Mark mentioned, we see you at a lot of the same shows that we go to. Now, Talking Metal, we kind of cover the gamut, uh, everything from uh, glam stuff to, like, the super heavy stuff. Now, with Piercing Metal, you know, I know the answer to this, but I don't know if all of the listeners are going to know. Tell us what styles of metal that you're into and what you cover. The prime style that I got into outside of your conventional hard rock would definitely be the power metal genre. But then I got into all of the Finnish stuff and then the folk metal and then some of the black metal, um, which is not everybody's cup of tea, but even the death metal stuff. I refused to just be that guy that listens to ACDC, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and only say I was supporting metal by listening to these three or four bands. They're all wonderful. They don't need everybody's main attention anymore when there's bands that are for a hundred people and came over here from a, a foreign land it's you, you have to give the other stuff a chance and if uh, myself with with this platform that I have I like to tell you about this and I want to I want you to be as excited about the metal that I see as you guys are about the things you talk about on the podcast and that's how we we succeed for the genre as a whole metal has so many branches it's like that tree of Yggdrasil in uh, Norse mythology it goes in many different ways it's the world tree metal sometimes and uh, I'm a comic book geek so I'm quoting <laughs> Thor here so pardon me with that but that's that's just when I get it. I, I like so many genres. Um, somebody says to me one time, well, how do you call yourself a death metal hand? You went to see Poison. I said, I said, Poison's fun and it's and it's worth talking about. And if somebody goes to my website and likes Poison and sees it, they have a kid that might like heavier stuff that sees that I wrote about uh, Behemoth or, or Cannibal Corpse as well. It's, it makes me more worldly. It makes me a smarter metalhead, I think. Just my two cents. Yeah, it's interesting. A couple thoughts popping into my head. A, that a lot of us aren't 20 years old anymore, and what happens is to a lot of people, you get to a certain age and you're no longer able to accept new sounds, new looks. Uh, and, and Ken, you have made it a point, as you just said, to to explore these new sounds. And to some of the older listeners, and when I say older, I'm talking anybody maybe over 25 years old, how does one stay current uh, with with the the new stuff? I mean, there, there has to be certain bands that you've heard in the past. Maybe you go back to your first time listening to some of this extreme stuff where you're like, ah, I don't know if I like that. Do you just continue to give it another chance, or, or are you just open-minded enough where it hits you the first time? I'm not always... Uh you know, I don't get spoken to by the gods. It, it, I'll listen to something like Halloween, let's say. Halloween is a legendary German power metal band. 
but from Halloween sprang Iron Savior, Gamma Ray, and so many other bands. And then you look and say, well, what bands are like those other bands? Well, then you have Ed Guy, and then you have Hammerfall, and you start to roll down that that landscape and say, give them a chance. Listen to three or four songs on Spotify or uh, or Mog or even Last FM or whatever. Uh, if there's not a podcast that's talking about it already, uh, I'm a big fan of bands like Camelot, who are influenced by the likes of Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and all that stuff. And it's it, you have to want to be open-minded about it. If you're just going to say that there's nothing going on and there's nothing new out there, well, then you're an idiot. You shouldn't really be, you know. They're, but they're, they're not listening to your podcast or reading my well, website. Some of them so. are listening to this podcast, yeah, because <laughs> there's a lot of people like, you know, they just hate anything. That's, that's, you know, produced after 1990 or 1991. It's like there's so many people who just, they shut down and they only want, you know, I talk to people who are like, oh, I'm the biggest Iron Maiden fan. And not only do they not listen to new stuff like the bands you're referring to, Gamma Ray, or Gamma Ray, it's not even new. I mean, they've been around, what, 20 years already. But it's like to, to somebody who's stuck in the 80s, a band like that is new, and they refuse to let their ears even listen to Gamma Ray. But not only that, is they, they, they refuse to let their, their ears listen to a new album, a newer album, by the bands that they loved in the 80s, like Iron Maiden, for example. And I think, I think that's a sad state that, you know, so many people are closed off to uh, new things. So, guys, do yourself a favor and listen to a lot of the bands that Ken just mentioned uh, and, and open your mind to the, the new sounds that are out there let's talk about younger power metal bands like are there any like younger guys that you've seen right now when i'm talking 20 something guys that that aren't extreme metal that are playing maybe a more traditional style of metal that you recommend or or found interesting in the live setting i haven't really run into any like 20 something sect of bands yet um there are a lot of young thrash bands out there. Like you have Warbringer, you have Bonded by Blood, and these are all guys in the 20s, and they're bringing back a legacy sound, but with a new school vibe. So if you like Metallica and you like Testament and Exodus, it does not hurt to give those guys a chance because they're in the same pocket as these other bands are. So if you say, I'm only a thrash head that wants to listen to these those three top tiers, well, don't be afraid to give those other bands a chance because they're influenced by Testament, Metallica, Anthrax and uh, I, I think you'll find the result very, very satisfying, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, some of the guys, like the guys in Warbringer, have the same vibe some of the original thrash bands had when they were that age. So I think that's cool. Don't you find that, Mark? Yeah, totally. Totally. And on another note, Ken, you go to so many shows. Now, we were just talking about a, a show you went to, I guess, last night or a couple nights ago, Sanctuary. Sanctuary um, and you mentioned there weren't a ton of people there. Why is it that, that Metallica can still come through the area and easily sell out you know, the Prudential Center in Newark, uh, I don't know how many seat, 15, 20,000 seat arena. And like they sell it out in two nights, you know, easily. And then yet there's other bands that struggle. I mean, we were both at the the UDO show, the Udo Dirtschneider show. And let's let's admit that wasn't, I mean, I was told they only sold about 300 tickets to that. You actually may have told me that. I'm not sure. But um, why is it some, some bands just can completely 
still pull in an audience while other bands can't. And, and let's talk about some of the bands you've seen on both ends of that spectrum. Who are people really excited about and, and going to see, maybe still going to see? Who has kind of uh, faded out and isn't holding up their fan base? Okay, well, you brought up the Udo show and uh, the Sanctuary show. And, yes, those two shows were ill-attended for this market, which they every, everyone says New York is the big market. It's so everything is packed here, and it's not always the case. What happens is I don't think the exposure that we see as, as media figures of metal – uh, we don't see it the same way that the fan would. You know, we pick up uh, an email or a phone, and we could talk to the people in charge of Udo's band and uh, Sanctuary Band. We're not the fans. So the fans are not getting this information as fast as they might because the people that are in place on higher levels than what we do are not speaking about it and not giving it a chance, maybe because it doesn't bring in advertiser dollars to them, uh, or maybe they don't view it as relevant to them. But to me, it's relevant to metal as a Sanctuary is a band that uh, was around the time of Queensryche, you might remember, and uh, they disbanded and became Nevermore. Most of the guys became Nevermore, um, or World Ain't formed Nevermore. I, I sometimes get confused with this one, and I'm sorry, listeners, but uh, he put Nevermore on hold again and went back and reformed Sanctuary. Everybody was saying, oh, we have to be there, we can't miss this, and yet... So many did miss it, and they missed a wonderful show that kicked my ass eight ways till Tuesday. So, um, so that's so. I just have a problem with uh, people not being hearing about the things that they need to, and it's it's one of the reasons that I like having my calendar up there because it's like, hey, what is this? Oh, let me look into it. Maybe maybe go download a song or something. Um, as far as bands that are packing the houses, uh, I'm always happy to see that done. Uh, I saw Winter Sun open up for El Weedy. Uh, it's spelled Eluvity, so just uh, you might see that spell. But they were the headliner, Elwidi, and Winter Sun was the opener. They had not been here ever. And the opener was the reason that the show sold out. The band had never been here before, and it was a wonderful show, magnificent set. And audience members left after Winter Sun. Winter Sun will be back in August, headlining over at the um, Irving Plaza. Um, a band like him always sells out, which is fantastic to see. It's a Finnish melodic doom band. Are you go- I'll be at the Him show in Brooklyn, actually. Are you going to that? I will be at that, and uh, it's a Volbeat headlining appearance. And also- which uh, I don't get Volbeat. Do you like them? What do you- I-, I just, I mean, I understand they're okay, they're good, but uh, like to me, I'm kind of sad. Him's opening up for them. I like what Volbeat does, but they're a band that I scratch my head and I said, why did everybody jump on this? Because it's the people that are not really metalheads that are vibing to some of this stuff. And it makes me go, wait a minute, okay, tell me why you like this, bro. And uh, nobody really has an answer. But uh, they did open up for Metallica, so maybe that had a lot to do with it. Um, It's funny that you mention that because I know like two guys who kind of listen to a couple metal albums here and there, but they're they're heavily into music, but they're not metalheads. Uh, and they're both like totally into Volby. You know? And another band that's also selling out everywhere you go is Ghost. I mean, I like Ghost a lot. I mean, the the little that I know about Ghost, uh, I think is, uh, is, is is. I mean, they they're doing something a little different. It's exciting. What do you think of Ghost? I love what Ghost does on album. I have not been able to see them live because I keep getting shut out too. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be there taking pictures, and I can't even work. Then they just announced today. I think they're going on a, a they're opening for somebody big. I can't remember. It's, um, it's Avenged Sevenfold, I think. Is it? Okay. I think so. I, 
I thought I heard they were opening for somebody else that I was. Uh, I want to say is are, Metall is Metallica doing ge- dates right now? No, I don't know. I, I I heard they were opening for somebody really significant. I can't remember. It could be Avenged Sevenfold. Maybe I'm I'm confused. But Ghost is a fun band. Uh, kind of Ghost is another one of those bands like Volbeat though. In a way they, that the hipsters like them, you know, and it's like I don't know if it's because Dave Grohl is like he's kind of in the extended Ghost family now. He played drums, I think, on that that ABBA cover they did, and what's the producer's name? Nick Rozgielanski or whatever his name is, uh, who did Fireball Ministry and Rush, and of course Foo Fighters also has done the Ghost uh, album. So Ghost is a good band. Um, I think we played them on Talking Metal before, but I'm not not positive. Anyways, Ken, it's great catching up with you, and we're going to have links to your site uh, in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com, as well as hopefully some pictures. You'll have some pictures up on your site. And And we also got, of course, Chris the Bodyguard hanging out and John Simpson. John, uh, let's ask uh, John Simpson, who, as somebody who's, you know, a big music fan have you been excited by lately? Well, as I was listening to that interview, I was thinking about that. And as far as the metal genre, I mean, I guess... What, what interview are you referring to? Oh, the interview that we just did with Ken, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this current interview. It, it, it got me thinking about that. And as far as metal, the, like, the last... And I look. I really do go out there and look. But, you know, I think the last new band that got me excited was Mastodon. And that's got to be over ten years. More than that, and then um, I don't know. I, I really like the new the new Palms record I heard with the members of ISIS and and the singer for the Deaf. Oh yeah, you told me about that. I haven't checked it out yet, but yeah, but I need to check that out. As far as metal, you know, I mean, uh, the last metal record I really got super excited about was Accepts Blood of the Nations, and that's two or three years old now. Right. And that's not exactly a new band either. So, I, but it was a kind of a rebirth, like. Uh, the, the thing, the thing that was cool about that accept record, and I, I will say the same as I said in the episode 420 that I did with with Victor actually, that that I feel like Queensrÿche, the non-Jeff Tate version of Queensrÿche, and the new Black Sabbath record with Ozzy back oh, in the yeah. fold, have 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 done the same thing that Accept did, where they've kind of retapped into the spirit of what the band was originally, and even though the maybe the original members aren't there actually in any of, of those three bands cases uh, there's still something very exciting to hear these guys rediscover that old magic that they had back in in the past even if it's not as good as the magic that they had when they were in their 20s it's still fun to hear them rediscover that and um, you know I even think that Kiss Monster record had some of that magic in it from last year what do you think, John? Yeah, I really thought, for example, the song Hell or Hallelujah reminded me of, like, I Stole Your Love. And uh, I think that was a, a classic riff, uh, classic Kiss-style riff written by Paul Stanley, and I really like that. Totally. Totally. Anyways, I want to take a little time out here to get you guys to support what we do on Talking Metal. Use those iTunes links to play that song we played earlier by Kiko. It was called Conflicted. We're also going to play a song right now by our good friend Sean Baker. This is called Which Way to Radio Land. Please buy it and support Sean and support Talking Metal 
and we'll come back and talk about Sean and talk more about how you can support the Talking Metal Podcast, part of the Talking Metal Digital Network. That was Which Way to Radio Land by Sean Baker off of the album Baker's Dozen. And uh, we are really good friends with Sean Baker. And we really enjoy playing his stuff on Talking Metal. And I have a letter here from Sean. It says, what up, good sir? I hope all is well, my friend. Just thought I'd give you a cool little update. This Friday, I finish up guitars for the new Ronnie Monroe from Metal Church Band's next CD. I also joined Bruce Belay's solo band, and we're hitting the road on August 1st. Very cool. Thanks again for your support and help. By the way, 
way, how can I score a Talking Metal t-shirt? I don't do credit cards. Can I send a check? Peace, bro. Sean. Well, guess what, Sean? We are going to send you your very own Talking Metal t-shirt. It's the least we can do, Sean. You've uh, provided us such great music on the podcast and on the Fuse show. He let us use his music for free. So uh, we owe you much more than a t-shirt, and we will get that to you. Uh, we do ask that you play it while you're, or wear it while you're on the road playing with Bruce and uh, get us some exposure. Halfway kidding, but it would be great if you wore it. Anyways, I wanted to talk about such a great guitar player. He's played with uh, Def Leppard for a number of years now, a number of decades probably, honestly. And also White Snake, River Dogs, and of course, he played on our... I would say two of my favorite Dio records, possibly three of my favorite Dio records. My, my favorite Dio records, by the way, are my top four are in this order. Last in Line, Holy Diver, Dream Evil, then Sacred Heart. Um, and, and Vivian plays on three of those records. Vivian Campbell, I'm talking about, the great guitar player. And we're hoping to talk with him soon on Talking Metal. It would be great if we could get him on here for an interview. John, what are your earliest Vivian Campbell memories of the young Vivian playing with Ronnie James Dio? Now, I think I first saw Vivian on stage with Dio, not live in concert, but on television on Rock Palace. And um, absolutely, when, when I think of Dio, and I know there have been a lot of different musicians uh, in and out of Dio's uh, you know, solo band, but... I think of Vivian Campbell as the guitar player, and of course the albums Holy Diver and Last in Line were probably, without a doubt, my two favorite Dio records. And and you know Vivian was a huge part of that particular Dio era. And um, as a lot of you fans know um, or may have heard, uh, Vivian um, has uh, revealed that he uh, is is battling a disease right now, and. Um, you know, Mark, you want to elaborate? Oh, he's battling a disease right now, and it's uh, unfortunately uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a type of a cancer. Uh, but but Vivian's back out there uh, with Def Leppard on tour, and um, you know, I, I know that you know, I'm sure that he's uh, aware of. In Vivian, he did a string at Vegas shows. With, yeah. With and, uh, of course, Vivian's back out there uh, doing a string of the shows in Vegas with Def Leppard. And, um, you know, I think he's got it under control. And uh, we can just pray for him and uh, really support him in anything that he's doing. Absolutely. And he, he has a little bit of a different look with his head, being that most of his hair has, has come out because of the, the chemo, I guess. But uh, we wish Vivian the best of luck in fighting this disease and it sounds like he's making some progress and he has some very exciting Dio related news to announce uh, which he actually announced already uh, and he was on Eddie Trunk two weeks ago to talk about Dio and I'm going to kind of recap what he said on Eddie Trunk regarding Dio but first I want to talk to our, our other metal expert here, Ken Pierce. What are your, some of your earliest memories of Vivian Campbell from Dio? Well, my first experience with Vivian Campbell was when I bought that first Dio album when it came out on vinyl so many years ago. And uh, it was just wonderful. I, I was just blown away by the playing that he was doing. It was sick. 
amazing. I mean, that first Dio record, you guys who are young might not understand this, but that was that was that was really a revolutionary heavy metal record. It's set along with like what Maiden was doing at that time and what Priest was kind of putting out at that time. It kind of set the bar for how great 80s metal could be in the early 80s and, and it took us away from that kind of 70s sound and brought us to a new place and that that is one of those those just amazing records and every song off the record still holds up uh, after all these years and I just remember being shocked by the album cover it had a priest in chains like down in the water and uh, scary stuff for like a, a 13 year old kid to listen to I went to Catholic school, so you can imagine what that did yeah, to me. You know? yeah, <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't really raised all that religious, but even for me, I was just like, "Whoa!" You know, that was like some some heavy imagery and uh, the music, just just amazing stuff. And you know, if we do get Vivian on the podcast, which seems like a, a, a good possibility within the next couple of weeks here, I'm not probably going to ask him about his beef with Dio. What I'll do right now is kind of recap that now. Now, you know, he's played in Whitesnake and Def Leppard and many other things since being in Dio. And, and he's spoken, I guess I'll say, ill of, of Dio since his time in Dio. And uh, even went as far as to say that he, you know, to even cut down the music that he did with Dio. Dio responded by saying some negative things about Vivian, and even at one point, Dio said he wished he would die, and Dio then said he was sorry about saying that, and and uh, just some real heated words between the two guys in the press. Since Dio's passing, basically, what Vivian has said is he's he's now come to terms with what his relationship was with Dio, which was not good on a personal level. But on a musical level, it was amazing. And he's recognized that what the music he made with Dio was just some real special stuff. And he's, he's really come out and he's said that. And I think now that Dio's gone, he doesn't feel the need to try to fight back and hurt Dio in the press. And it's a shame that the two guys before Dio's passing could never really mend the fence. But Vivian said on Eddie Trunk, I believe it was on Eddie Trunk, that if Dio were alive today, he really feels like the two of them could sit down and have a pint together and and recognize that they really made some magical music together. Vinny Apice recently came out and said that out of all the guitar players he played with when working with Ronnie, probably excluding Tony Iommi, he said in the, the, the Dio solo era that Vivian was the man and the one he really felt he enjoyed playing with the most. And amazing news that Vivian Campbell, Vinny Apice, and Jimmy Bain, and I think Claude Schnell are getting together and are going to pay tribute to the music, the amazing music they made on those first three Dio solo records, and are going to actually play live concerts and play strictly Dio music. That is really, really cool. Claude Schnell, I always liked him, and I think the first time I ever saw him was in the Last in Line video. I just had to throw that little excerpt in there because I thought he was cool. So that is great, great news. I I love that. A classic lineup of of the Dio group. Now, what will they do for vocals? They have a guy, I, I unfortunately don't have his name written down right now, but Vivian told Eddie Trunk that 
he's top notch and he can really do justice to these Dio songs. So right now we have Dio Disciples with guys like Simon Wright and uh, Craig Goldie. I, I think Ripper Owens, right? Yeah, Ripper's in that one. And uh, who else is? There's, there's so many. There's just there's like three. Who's the guy from Lynch Mob? Oni or Oni Logan? Yeah, I think he's involved. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, uh, Mark, back to Vivian. Now, did he say what the beef was about with Dio? Oh, yes, he did, on Eddie Trunk. And if, by the way, guys, when Vivian's on, I'm probably not going to ask him about his beef with Dio since it was already covered in the Eddie Trunk interview two weeks ago. Here's what Vivian said about his beef with Dio uh, to summarize. He said that when he joined Dio, right, actually before Ronnie was out of Sabbath, he was already plotting, and Tony Iommi goes into this in his book, that Ronnie was already working on his on the Holy Diver record while working on Mob Rules. Like, wow. the, like, And that pissed Geezer and Iommi off big time, because here half their band was doing another record right. you know, while they're still a band, and, and things just went downhill, and we know that Ronnie fought with those guys over the uh, live evil mix and stuff like that, but the bottom line is Iomi and Geezer weren't happy. He was already working with the Dio solo band while still in Sabbath. So having said that, Ronnie told, this is all what Vivian claimed on Eddie Trunk two weeks ago. Ronnie told Vivian that he couldn't pay him much because they had to pay the crew, they had to pay everybody a bunch of money, and said that if Vivian would just stay with him for three records that once they got to the third record, they would split everything, I I guess, four or five ways. I don't know. They would split everything fairly, basically, and and Vivian would get get a big percentage of stuff because Ronnie told Vivian that he views it as a band and he wants everybody to be treated equally. They were going to call it Dio because of Dio's name recognition. uh, Vivian claims when they got to the third record, Sacred Heart, Vivian spoke up and said, hey, remember our agreement, that our verbal agreement, that we're going to split things more evenly now that we're on the third record. And Vivian claimed he was making less than the roadies for when he was in the band and uh, or the certain members of the road crew. So, And Ronnie basically said, went back on his word, is what Vivian claims. And Vivian got pissed and said, no, I want my fair share now. It's worth three records in. And Wendy and Ronnie fired him. So, so that's what Vivian claims happened, and that's where the beef started and continued really up up until Ronnie's death. I might have read this incorrectly once, but I even heard Vivian say he was like embarrassed about the material that he was on in those first three records. And I think that's crazy. He did say something terrible like that. And I, it's funny you mentioned that. That's John Simpson chiming in. I did recently go back because I remembered reading that. And Wendy Dio had actually said something, which you guys probably haven't heard, uh, episode 420, but Victor Ruiz and I spoke about Wendy Dio for about 30 minutes. Uh, so I don't want to revisit that all now. Uh, but um, anyways, uh, Wendy Dio said recent, recently uh, that, that, you know, that Vivian had said that. And I seem to remember Vivian saying something like that. Uh, but but he's really come around, and he says he now recognizes how great the stuff was. And, of course, people now are accusing him, well, you're saying that because you want to make money off it. 
But here's Wendy Dio, who, you know, Ronnie drops dead, and she gets remarried right away with her long-term boyfriend, and she puts Dio disciples out there and is making all this money. So I'm not sure I, I side with her in anything, honestly. But, um, you know, Dio's gone, and if, if the music can live on by the people who made the music with him in different uh, shapes and forms, I think it's probably uh, an all right thing. It's a good thing, you know? Definitely. Oh, I just, if he really felt that way, I mean, I wonder what he thinks about Def Leppard slang. Well, the funny thing is this, and I will say this about, about, about Vivian. He did say that. He's now said he didn't mean it, and he said those words to hurt Ronnie. And you got to remember, Ronnie was going around saying, you know, I wish Vivian Campbell would drop dead, uh, which Ronnie then said he was sorry he said that. But um, Vivian has also, even though he's a member of Def Leppard, he said some pretty unflattering things about Def Leppard. I read an interview with him where he was like, oh, I, Def Le- playing Def Leppard music is boring. You know, I'm not challenged at all. He said something along those lines. So he doesn't maybe understand that stuff that he says in the press can, maybe he understands it now, but stuff he said in the press can get blown out of proportion. Uh, and I'll give him the, uh, what's the word? I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And, and maybe now that Dio has died, he's actually come to terms with, wow, what I did back then with Dio was really, truly great. And uh, I'd love to see him play those Dio songs again. How about you, Ken? What? Would you love to see Vivian uh, out there playing the Dio stuff if they come to the States? Or would you prefer to maybe see Dio Disciples or maybe just leave the Dio stuff behind and and leave the good memories as they are? You know, I, I think Dio's voice still speaks to us so loudly and so profoundly that we need to keep these songs in play. I would actually even like to see the Heaven and Hell material brought back you know, to life, for lack of a better word. And I know it sounds terrible to say it like that, but I hated that Heaven and Hell went away when Dio went. I don't think Ronnie would have liked that hard work, that devotion, and that powerful voice he had in Heaven and Hell just be silenced because he left us. You know, there there are other guys that could have picked up that mantle and done it with respect to him. So... Which I think Glenn Hughes did at one show, right, with them yeah, doing some of the stuff? Glenn Hughes and uh, Jorn Land also did one. But Russell Allen... Which is interesting because Wendy Dio has criticized Jorn for trying to profit off the Dio name with his tribute record to Dio, where, or tribute songs to Dio, whereas <laughs> it's, it's kind of ironic because she's out there, you know, doing this, and Vivian Apathy has criticized her for doing it. But yet now he's doing this thing with Vivian Campbell. And get this, he's also doing dates with the Dio Disciples. So uh, complicated stuff if you can follow it all. We should, I think we should end this show with probably one, a classic Dio song. You know, that would be cool. But I just before we do end, I want to throw one off-topic subject in here. Is that okay? It's okay. So, guys, absolutely, I think we should end with a classic Dio tune. But before we go, I want to throw a little uh, curveball in here and tell everyone here, and I know that there will be a couple of people who are interested in this. I watched a video on YouTube today. It was like a guitar instructional video. And I believe it was called Vinnie Vincent Metal Tech, like a metal T-E-C-H. So if you guys, uh, you know, pull this up on YouTube... 
And uh, Vinny Vincent was really cool, and he was playing these like just insane things, and like I, I couldn't even see what he was, how he was picking. It was just unbelievable. And uh, but like you know, he'd play something slow, and then he'd play it like super fast. And he seemed like a really like normal guy. Like, and you you spoke to him on the phone once, Mark. Yeah, when he was doing an interview for RPM in Chicago, it was a late-night radio show hosted by Scott Loftus. I did speak with Vinnie Vincent. Uh, speaking of Vinnie Vincent, I was, I was, uh, I, I, I have this terrible habit of getting drunk and laying in bed, and uh, I just start tweeting random people. So the other, <laughs> the other night, I was laying in bed, looking at my iPhone, the Twitter feed. Gene Simmons was was tweeting a bunch of fucking stupid shit, and I responded. I replied to Gene, and. Gene Gene appears to read most of the stuff because he responds to people. And I said, do you happen to know why Vinnie Vincent is not on Twitter? <laughs> oh, no. Did, he, did anybody respond? No, he didn't respond. And then, like an hour later, I said, just kidding with you, Gene. Because I, I, <laughs> I didn't want him to block me or anything. That's funny. That is funny. Yeah, so anyway, go, you should go check this out. Vinny, just type in Vinnie Vincent Metal Tech. And, like, it starts out with him, like, playing over some of his tunes and then, then it goes into some instructional stuff. But what's weird is, like, I fast-forward it to the end, and, like, he must have, like, done this in the course of a couple of different days because there's some... And he's always wearing the same clothes and the same guitar, but there's, like, some of it, his hair looks one way, and some it's, like, braided or something. So it was, like... The wig was on a little crooked the one day. <laughs> it was clearly something different. Like, and, and I just... if I, I guess the director... Like, I, what, what's funny is maybe when you're watching, he goes, okay, well, that's all... You know, maybe he said something like, that's all for today, and I'll come back tomorrow and show you some more. But I don't know, like, how it just transposed from, like, one look to, like, a totally, like, different hairdo, like, you know, from part to part. Because, I, you know, maybe if I watched it the whole way through, I'd understand it. But anyway, it was uh, it was a killer video, and I would like to learn some of the scales that he was talking about. And this is, like, really neat approach where he says, like, you know, he goes, I look at the fretboard, and I see, like, this, and every one of those notes works. And But, like, here he would literally play, like, like almost every single note on every single string in like little blocks of like four to five frets or four to six frets and you know he'd skip a couple but I mean that's the Vinnie Vincent sound it was it was pretty neat I mean I, I I'm getting into this thing where I'm feeling like an inferior guitarist so like I'd like to learn some of these new which are not new but we got to get the band back together yeah, John yeah, and I because I've had I don't know I've been really ex- I had nerve damage in my fingers so I'm trying to get my strength back playing guitar again but it's it's really upsetting because I'm just like you know but um uh, yeah, unfortunately, John Simpson just said time for another screaming metal gig. Unfortunately, I've had this uh, nerve damage, and I'm trying to. I gotta go through rehabilitation, but I should hopefully be back up running soon and jamming. And I'd love to do some playing with uh, John Astronomy. No doubt about it, Mark. Absolutely, uh, we we got to do it again. Maybe we'll call it talking metal. You know, whatever. Yeah. A couple quick thoughts on what you were saying, John. Vinnie Vincent, I don't know, in the Chicagoland area where I grew up when the Invasion record came out, that first one, the rumor was he tuned down to D. This is just the rumor at my little local clique of of 15-year-old scumbag kids uh, at the mall. But the uh, our, our little gang, our our, our thought was, uh, and it may have come from some of the other little gangs in uh, Chicago. When I say gang, I'm talking about you know, preppy dorky kids uh, who, who uh, you know, D 
didn't smoke pot or uh, play on the football team. We were kind of like these mit- misfit mall rat kids. Anyways, uh, our little gang thought, um, Ranger X was in that gang, uh, that Vinnie Vincent had tuned down to D onto the Invasion record, played as fast as he could for the solos only, and then they bumped the tape up to E, even higher than E, almost up to F. Because if you listen to it, and I may be remembering this incorrectly, the solos are are tuned up extra high, and the songs in general for that. It could be. Do you ever hear that rumor? Yeah, I did hear that rumor, and I'm not sure if I heard that from you or if I heard that like from my own circles. But that he basically played with the guitar lower and then sped them up so that they were, you know, in the key that the song was in, so they would sound extra fast. I had the Michelangelo Badio instructional video. I still have it, actually, on VHS. I had the Tony Iommi instructional video and the Brian May instructional video. Tony Iommi, in his book, talks about filming the the instructional video that he did. And it's a hilarious story where Tony Iommi is not like one of these guys who plans out every note. He kind of just goes into the studio and plays the solo and never thinks about it ever again. So when... He was asked to do this instructional video. They were like, okay, we want you to play the solo for War Pigs. We're going to play it, and you need to play along with it to show. And then we'll play it, and you got to slow it down. He had no clue what the fuck was going on. And he was, like, trying to play his own solos, and he didn't know how to play them, and he couldn't remember them. And he said he was totally faking it. And he said if you go back and watch it, there's just parts where he's just blatantly not playing it right. And he said he's not the type of guy who plays the same solo every night. He mixes it up a little bit. Uh, which is kind of typical for like guys like him and Page, for example, uh, where they kind of mix it up a lot and they don't they don't stick to the format, which I actually like, kind of jammy, you know, like uh, jam band style. But that's uh, a funny story in Tony Iommi's book. Anyways, we're gonna wrap it up. The other way you can support Talking Metal is to buy a T-shirt in the store section on TalkingMetal.com. Somewhere, someone's about to purchase something on Amazon. Before you go right to Amazon, just go to Talking Metal and use our Amazon link to open your Amazon, uh, open Amazon, and then make your purchase. We'll get a kickback on that. It's a good kickback. Those those uh, Amazon purchases really help us. Support talk, Piercing Metal. Support Ken's site, Piercing Metal. We'll have links up to that. Ken's going to have a bunch of photos of us podcasting tonight on his site, which we will link. And uh, what else, John? Oh, the PayPal donations. Uh, keep those coming in. If you donate more than $100, $100 or more, I will send you a Talking Metal t-shirt. So donations, 100 bucks and more, you get a free Talking Metal t-shirt. And don't forget, when you're in Manhattan, come visit Duke's. It's on 99 East 19th Street. And we are going to uh, link the Duke's website. Do they have a website? Yes, they do. Okay, it's not on here. Okay. We'll link the Duke's website. And uh, you want some good beers? You want some good food? What would you call this? Bar- like barbecue set- roadhouse bar. Lots of hot ladies working in here and uh, lots of cool people hanging out. So definitely stop by Duke's. Good crowd. Good company. Duke's, right around the corner from Irving Plaza if you're seeing a, a show there, too. So... Okay, guys, take care. Visit TalkingMetal.com and PiercingMetal.com.
Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks for your support. And we're going to end today's show with a classic Dio tune. What do you guys want to hear? Holy Diver. Just